With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Los Angeles is a lonely sort of place. Even for a boy's first embrace. Let me tell you, I'm out here from a very Back everyone, got a uh, special post-draft episode for you tonight. Um, we're doing another hybrid podcast here. I'm Brandon Day. I'm host of the Bless You Boys podcast, and we've got also got Mark Garage, host of the Don't Call It a Rebuild, It's a Team Build podcast. Mark, how we doing tonight? I'm Feeling doing, decent? I'm, Feeling good? I'm doing well. I'm excited to have these two gentlemen uh, and their vast knowledge of uh, amateur baseball players to discuss this for a few minutes about how how the Tigers draft and just in the draft in general look. Yep. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty spoiled tonight. Um, I really want to thank both of our guests for coming on. We've got Vinny Servino and Brian Sikowski, both from perfect game. Um, we brought, brought in some heavy hitters. I'm very thankful to both of you guys for, for dropping in here. I know that the draft isn't even over yet. We're in uh, round five, but we're, we're getting near the end. I assume you guys have had a uh, hectic night. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been <clears throat> pretty frantic as you might imagine, just, uh, you know, nonstop, kind of like playing the central station for information passing through people. Like it's kind of a wild thing, like a um, trying to get information about different picks as it comes in along with trying to get as much signability information as we can and this and the other thing. But yeah, it's, it's very exciting regardless. Yeah. For those of us, you know, it's, you know, we're into this, you know, this is like Christmas day, except that it's always Christmas day with like two phones in my hand right? and I'm answering three DM you know, for you guys. It must just be insane. So yeah, I appreciate you stopping back. Kind of operating on under uh, every corner of the baseball world. It feels like between, you know, just who we're talking to and trying to link picks together, trying to see who's going to sign, who's not going to sign. And, you know, unfortunately a five round draft makes it easier than most of these guys are going to sign, but we do love the 40-round aspect of it better. I must I mean, say that. Yeah. So how was it when they, you know, basically now that they've condensed it into five rounds, did, did you like it? It's it's a totally different st- strategic model to, you know, f- for these teams. I mean, how, how, how was it covering it, and what you think of the strategy? It, it, it's a little bit different in terms of pacing because just the situation we're in anything sports related is going to be broadcasting this big up and get up because normally day one of the draft is first and second rounds plus com- compensation picks and day two would be rounds two through 10 and th- day three is 11 through 40. And after the first day of the draft, it's not televised anymore. So it moves much faster than it has been. Um, and the combination with that too, is that we expected to see not a lot of risk being taken in terms of high signability guys or high price guys, unless they can teams can be sure that they would be willing to meet that number. And I think you saw a lot of safe picks. I think you see a lot of guys. I would, I would doubt that more than a handful of guys who were picked today. Don't don't sign. 
Yeah. Did Am I right in just my brief uh, impression that a lot of teams kind of turn back toward the prep guys late to try to try to just snag somebody and see if they could see if they could make it work and work the money out with them. Seemed like there was a few like that. Yeah, I think it's uh, teams kind of circled back around and said like, "Hey, you know, there's two rounds left. If you want to sign, this is the number." And I think you know maybe some some of those high school players that you saw go kind of backed off a little bit on on what their previous demands were and realized that this might be their best chance to play pro ball and. Um, yeah, that, that seems like it, it makes a lot of sense there. You saw a handful of names going the fourth of prep guys. Um, and there really, there really hasn't been that many surprises as far as like guys, not or guys not being drafted and presumably going back. It feels like we've kind of emptied the board a little bit. Don't you think Vin? Yeah. Most of the guys that we have, I mean, our entire top 30 is gone. Our, the, the two names who we have closest to the top that haven't gone are Carson Montgomery, who is a prep arm. So we, we don't know. He could be a high signability guy. And then kind of the most surprising one, which was Tommy Mace, who indicated today that around the start of the fifth round that he was coming back to Florida. Ah, okay. So that, yeah. And otherwise, yeah. I mean, it seemed, you know, like the guys who are, have like the most kind of injury concern, like, you know, Dax Fulton went early in the second, but people, you know, some of the hype about, you know, beater, maybe going in the first, he, he dropped way down. Um, yeah, just, just a few guys like that. Ginn didn't, didn't go probably as high as he, he thought he might, <laughs> those kind of guys, everybody shied away from until they had one or two in the bag. It seemed like so. Yeah, I honestly didn't think that there was going to be this many. Like, I assumed we were going to have a handful of college guys and a handful of high school guys saying, like, ah, actually, I'm out. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually, you know, pleasantly surprised by that, if, honestly. Yeah, one, one of the, uh, especially with the run on high school guys, there was kind of a, around, like, the, the 90s to 100s, there was almost a run on it. And uh, it's interesting, too, how many California SoCal guys seem to be going uh, especially guys with tough commits like UCLA commitments and stuff like that. So it, it, it's interesting to see almost that run of like, hey, guys, we have two rounds left. This is how much money we have to play with. Do you want it or not? And maybe some of those guys like Brian said, saying, you know what, I'm ready to start my pro career instead of going to college for three years. Yeah, I guess it will be really interesting, though, uh, in, in the period, you know, over the next couple of weeks to see yeah, if, if maybe some of those guys change their mind or don't sign and teams were just sort of like, hey, we'll take the guy we like if we can't. If we can't make it work, we can't make it work too. So, all right. Well, let's start right out. I mean, I mean, I don't know how much we need to say about Spencer Torkelson other than the fact that he's a third baseman now, um, and I don't know where Gage Workman's going to play as a result. <laughs> um, what did you, think you guys Gage think about? Might be a short. Yeah, there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like a. a <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I'm announcing Torkelson at third base. Like, I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't well, look, look, look. They announced Martin and Austin Martin as a shortstop. So I mean, you know, look, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's pure vanity. He's going to play first base. Maybe he's going to play some left field. But you know, Vinny, I want to. You know, we've talked to Brian about about Spencer. Give give us, uh, you know, your your input on you know what you think of the bat and how fast you think it'll come and your your thoughts on him. Yeah, so I'll just kind of, uh, I, I tweeted out a little anecdote when he went 1-1. Uh, about a year ago, we were on the West Coast, and uh, I was with one of my coworkers, Jeremy Brown, and we stopped in to see an Arizona State game. I had never 
painted Spencer Torkelson before. And uh, kind of tied up with last year's draft cycle, I thought he was similar to Andrew Vaughn, who went third overall to the White Sox last year. Kind of a good hitter, hit over power, first base type, because Vaughn had like 50-55 raw power. So I'm like, that's what Torkelson is, isn't he? And then he's hitting balls like over the over the netting at Arizona State. I'm like, oh, no, this guy's got 80 raw, and he just mashes. So <laughs> it's a, it, it was an eye-opening experience. And, like, I, I think Detroit kind of had him circled for a while. Uh, there really wasn't much Austin Martin chatter. or uh, And then in, I know that there was some talk of Lacey almost as a backup option. But, like, Thorkelson's going to hit. He's going to hit the ball hard. I uh, was talking to a Tigers friend of mine who's um, – a, a college buddy of mine from high school who's a Tigers fan, and he's like, well, what do you got on this kid? I'm like, think a guy, think a guy like Maglio or Donez or Derek Lee, a guy who's just, you're going to slot in, he's going to hit two, he's going to slash 270, 400, 550 with 30 bombs a year. And that's what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, nine, he's a 900 OPS guy. I mean, I thought Brandon, we've told the joke many times the last few days, but, you know, Brandon told the joke the other day. He said, "You know, I, Spencer Torkelson. Uh, you know, what position does he play? He bats third. That's that's what position. <laughs> right. He plays back, coach. And I think I, I honestly, I think I stole that from Brian when he was on the podcast. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's it, where that it, came it, from. It could it could be Brian for sure. But I mean, in, that pretty much sums it up, though. I, th- I think he's probably a." A better defender at first than people are going to think. He, he's maybe a little more athletic, and I'm sure they'll try him in left field. But, uh, yeah, the guy – I mean, how – tell me – you know, it's hard, it's hard to predict because we have no idea how much time they'll be, – he'll be able to – how quickly they will be able to sign him, which I'm hoping quickly, by the way, um, so they can taxi squad him and at least – give him exposure to whatever form of practice games they're going to play with a ta- with taxi squad. But, uh, I, I would, I w- you know, how long do you both think it'll take before he starts getting legitimate at bats in the major leagues? I, I mean, I think it's in a normal year. It, it could be something like, like mid season next year. Um, I, I don't know exactly how the minor leagues are going to work this year, if at all. So that you know, is he gonna is he gonna be forced to, like you say, with the taxi squad? Like, how many at bats are we gonna get this guy? Like, I don't know. It's an interesting discussion, but I think like in a normal year, you're looking at uh, he starts the season in Toledo next year, and uh, you see him eventually after after the the service time thing or whatever in, in uh, um, April or May. What do you uh, think? Then, then he comes up. <clears throat> what do you think, Vinny? Yeah, you know, obviously everybody play every player is different, and the whole uh, COVID nineteen pandemic does not make things easier, especially not for minor league baseball. Um, but you know, he's kind of the most polished college player in the draft to an extent. Well, I mean, Austin Martin is a better pure hitter, I think personally, but Torkelson doesn't have to change a lot. Like the the swing is good; he has great plate discipline. Uh, there is some swing and miss, but you're going to get that with a big slugger with that kind of power and that kind of power to all fields, especially. So, I mean, he's a guy that you also don't want to rush if you're the Detroit Tigers because no offense to the Tigers, but I don't think they're really in the position to be competing anytime soon. A lot of their guys still are kind of on the outside looking in and you you know how teams are sometimes with their service time manipulations and such. They don't want to quote unquote, start, start a guy's clock too soon, but I mean, 
I think two two to three years is reasonable, uh, especially being a college guy and not a toolsy prep. Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe like if they get enough work, you you might see him late next year. But but basically 2022 tw- yeah. beginning of 23. Yeah. yeah. Right in there. Yeah. No, I would I would doubt that they're going to get him up next year only because the, there might not be a season this year, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's going to be hard to get him enough reps to, to kind of get him get him comfortable and knowing where they're going. Um, I thought it was interesting, you know, Spencer Torkelson w- was actually saying, you know, like he had no idea that if the Tigers were going to pick him because they never even, you know, never reached out to him, um, which which was kind of surprised me. But I don't know if that was just the Tigers kind of being coy and not, not wanting to give their hand away, although I don't know why it would matter because it was obvious to everyone what was going to happen anyway. So I don't know. It, it, teams get like that sometimes. I mean, we saw the same thing happen last year with Baltimore and Rutschman. So everybody knew it was Rutschman, but Baltimore wasn't letting anything out. <laughs> yep. Yep. Got to be coy. Um, I thought that was a, bu- no, a, bu- a bunch of nonsense, Brandon. He knew he knew he was going first, and I guarantee you, Boris is known for a week. So I'm sure they yeah. had already checked in on the money, and it's that's why I said I wouldn't be shocked if he signed within ten days because I'm sure they've been discussing the money, and it's just a matter of how much between eight million and eight million four hundred fifteen thousand dollars. You know, it's going to be somewhere in, you know, last few years, it's been between three and 500,000 under max slot. And I'm sure that'll be pretty much out rolls this year. And, you know, Scott Boris has known this for many days. Yeah, Yeah, this is all dialed. I mean, I assume, I mean, we're probably all in the same ballpark. He's going to get 8.1 million, basically, something like that. So talk to us about uh, what you guys thought. I mean, they had a day to decide who they were going to take at 38. Um, you know, Bri, we talked a little bit during the day. Vinny, I don't know what you thought they were going to do, but I'm interested to hear what you thought of the process and what you thought of the choice. Yeah, so um, before we got on the pod, I think I mentioned when we were talking earlier that uh, I, I thought the Tigers had a really good draft. Um, they took a lot of players who are quality picks. Um they kind of didn't reach for anybody. They kind of just took guys that fell. It felt like almost. Um, I, I won't. I know we expected Dylan Dingler to go in the first round. Uh, you, you know, there was some chatter of him in the early twenties. He ends up slipping out of day one, falling at thirty-eight, and the Tigers grab him up. That's a great defensive catcher. Uh, he's probably a big league defensive catcher. The offensive upside is a little bit more, more limited, but you know, you're getting a backup catcher in the second round. Like no one's going to complain about that. Daniel Cabrera's great sec performer he, he's a guy who also you know slipped kind of to 62 it felt like and then when he goes at 62 you're like okay that's a really good pick it's a nice pick for daniel cabrera uh trey cruz is another guy who hits gage workman in the fourth round was surprising as was colt keith um i know the tiger scouting directors come out and said that colt keith uh, they plan to sign colt keith um and, and that's a quality toolsy prep shortstop with your fifth pick in a draft where you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, which is it's five really nice players for the Tigers. And especially when you consider that the Tigers system is um, obviously I don't know as much as you guys do, but from the outside looking in, it looks a little bit uh, arm heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you get Spencer Torkelson, who you pair that with Riley Green, and that's just awesome. And you get a lot of other good quality guys who would probably be like, you know, your 15 in your 15 to 20 prospect range for the team. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the theme of it is that they, you know, the, the Tigers have kind of had a habit of of at least once somewhere near the top of the draft kind of doing something that really kind of made people kind of, you know, side-eye them a little bit. And they just kind of sat back and, and let it fall to them as it did, and they, they just picked those guys up. I mean, like, you know, Dingler, Cabrera, like, those are all guys I wouldn't have liked, you know, up up a notch where they were, but when they dropped there, it was like, yep, yep, that makes perfect sense. And, um, yeah, they, they just kind of lined up that way, and they knocked them down. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still in some sort of shock from uh, just the fact that they executed things like an actual professional organization today didn't force anything. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, there was none of the normal, my, my favorite word describing how they do things downtown is there's just a lot of fuckery. Okay. And it, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just today there just was very little of that. And I'm still just waiting to find something out. Somebody has a conviction that, is going to prevent them from signing. <laughs> I, I'm just, there's, I, I, I just can't believe what I actually saw today. It's just like a perfect, like, like, a, like a well-run, you know, scouting department. It was, it was hard to believe really was because <laughs> I, I think, you know, Vinny, I, I can tell you the three of us have watched this for our entire lifetimes. And, you know, once you get past the first round with these guys, they, have not done a very good job and that's being kind about it so i mean the scuba pick basically scott boris you know pretty much explained to them that they would be making a monster i mean he was on their radar but boris you know politely explained to them as part of another discussion they were going to make a huge error if they didn't take scuba and it worked out you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to believe. And, you know, let's 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 talk a little bit about Gage Workman. It's it's somebody that I like that's not a big secret. But I mean, what's the chances of, you know, both, both the two of you guys want to talk a little bit about Workman? I mean, you know, he's a switch hitter that might be able to play shortstop, has some holes in his game, but he's also young and there's some tools there, right? Yeah, it's. I think you know. There's a chance he could play short. I, I don't mean to like take that away from the kid, but I, I don't know why. I just I think he's going to be a plus defender at third base, so I feel like just leave him there. Um, good arm strength, really good body. Uh, he's got pretty substantial raw juice from the left side. This swings better from the left side. He's just better from that side in general. Um, you know, there, there's raw pop there. Uh, he's, he does walk a little bit. You're, you're optimistic that the hit tool wants to come around a little bit. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, if you can get him to hit, if you can get the bat to a four, you know, that's a pretty good player considering the rest of the package. He's a little bit young too. He's a little younger than the, the rest of the juniors. Yeah. Vin, yeah. Vin, Vin, what do you think of, of Workman? Yeah. Like you mentioned, um, Workman is young. He's still only 20 years old. He's young for a college player. Um, I, I know he's kind of in a, a a model darling because of the age and because of the size. Uh, he seems a little raw uh, for a college kid, which obviously his youth uh, could be also attested to that. But he played third base for the Arizona State Sun Devils. There's some people who think he can play short. 
Um, I he is a big kid, and he might really add some strength once he gets to pro ball, which might unfortunately that might push him over to third. And there's obviously some there's some swing and miss issues as well. But I mean, I, I think when you look at kind of the traits and just everything that he has, like you can really mold that into an exciting prospect. And that was probably why you like he was slotted to go, you know, second third round. Yeah, struggles with, struggles to identify spin a little bit from what you guys have told me, but uh, he's young, and so uh, there there's some upside to that, and we'll, we'll see if the Tigers can do something they have not been very successful at in the past, which is polish a hitter up. So well, and the the thing you know we've been talking about a little bit is that you don't really know you know what the impact of some of the new hires in player development with the Tigers are, but. You know, I mean, if, um, you know, if Kenny Graham likes these guys as new director of player development and, you know, some of everybody else is kind of on board, you know, it's easy to kind of ascribe these things in a simple way to like, oh, the Tigers went all bats because, you know, so-and-so has got influence or anything like that. It, it just happened this way, I, I assume. That's that's really what it looks like. But um, But, yeah, you know, it's harder to tell. At least the Tigers have done something where I can't just you know, right off the fact that they might be able to improve a hitter, <laughs> which I have been doing for years and, um, and have almost uniformly been correct about. And, you know, at least there, there's some change in the uh, organization that, that might give us some optimism that they can, uh, they can help one of these later picks out and produce a little more offense than people might expect. Give, give us a, give us a minute or two. Is, is Cole Keith going to play third or short? Third. Okay. Yeah, I've got to my how to say third. Okay, left left hand hitter, decent sized yep. kid. Obviously, seems like he's a pretty good athlete. He, he was reasonably impressive on the mound. But look, every there's a lot of kids that are reasonably impressive on the mound that play you know position players now these days. So, um, what kind of you know from a bat standpoint? So he's kind of, kind of a yeah he's he's a toolsy prep infielder. Uh, left-handed hitter. Obviously, I think the Tigers run him out short initially. I, I think I saw on Twitter, I can't confirm this or not, that uh, they're not going to send him out as a two-way. They're going to send him out as a position player. Mm-hmm. Um, but he probably ends up at third base long-term. Um, he, he's got he's a six-runner. He's a plus runner with a plus arm. There's above-average raw power. And, and like there's above-average bat speed. It's a pretty simple swing. Um, he might need a couple swing changes just in terms of loft to get uh, over the fence and stuff like that. But uh, he's an exciting toolsy prep shortstop. I don't know if the bat is ever ever an average bat, but if you get that to a four, play quality third base, run a little bit, maybe be like a 15-15 guy in terms of there's 20-20 guys still on base home runs. But uh, th- there's some upside for sure. Great. So we kind of had, you know, we were kind of worrying about Casey Martin and the Tigers, you know, possibly jumping him somewhere earlier and you know Casey Martin's tool like the ancillary tools seem like they're a little bit louder than Colt Keith but maybe somewhat comparable to to be able to take a guy like that who's a prep guy and get him in the fifth round and you've got yourself an athletic project guy basically yeah I mean Colt Keith is better against breaking balls than Casey Martin is right now um oh okay really yeah yeah Casey Martin can't hit you didn't you didn't have to do that to Casey I, I mean, he just can't. He can't do it, man. Like, he already I, you know, fell to like ninety. He's toolsy and athletic, but he, I, he can't hit spin, man. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, I'm kind of looking. I'm looking at a tweet right now from uh, our buddy Chris Brown. I think this is this is via Harris Frommer, who writes for the Tigers Minor League Report. 
and he's basically walking through, you know, w- what these guys should sign for. And yeah, it looks like, you know, that they should still have somewhere around 1.5 million for Colt Keith without having to really chisel anybody else too hard. Um, you know, just getting the discount that you'd expect on Torque and, and maybe shaving a little bit off some of the other guys. Um, it doesn't look like it should be a problem there either. Just, just looking at the numbers. So, right. yeah, I don't think we're going to have a problem there. Yeah. Um, yeah talk, the, you know, no, I was just saying, I, I think you guys, the, uh, before Colt Keith, you took a lot of college guys and I know like this is Trey Cruz's second year in the draft. So maybe he'll take a little bit of a discount and the, I'm sure there's, and then the discount on Torque that you'll get, uh, that should be enough to take Keith. I would imagine, especially if they felt confident enough to pick him here. Yeah. I mean, slot slot for where they drafted him is 450, and even if you thought he was, he deserved to be between 100 and 115. They only need another 150 grand, probably, you know, at worst to uh, to get him signed for where he was predicted to go. So, as long yeah, you might need you you probably need more than that to totally convince him, of course. But yeah, but we've got it, so. Uh, should, be, should so, not be a problem. So talk talk a little bit about Trey Trey Cruz. Will he stay in the infield and uh, what kind of player he is? Uh, he's more of a bat for me. I, I don't think he's a bad athlete. I just don't, you know, like I don't think he's a real good defender. I it's been over a year since I've seen him. I saw him at the Shriners Classic in 2019, and it's just it's really rough hands. Um, so that's kind of my concern about him in the infield. Offensively, it's switch hitter. He's got pretty good extra base juice. He's walked a fair bit in his career. There's some swing and miss, but I think you're looking at a guy who, uh, you know, you, you expect to hit at least a little bit and, and bring some power to the table, and maybe he can be have some versatility around the infield. And yeah, I, I mean, I thought that was fine. Could he play left field? Is that? I mean, he doesn't yeah. really have that big an arm. Or it doesn't sound like so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's athletic enough to do it. I don't know if he ever has before, but yeah. Brian, it sounded like you just described Ryan Rayburn. (laughs) (laughs) If Rayburn didn't have such a criminally high platoon split. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just just an epic platoon split. Yeah, one of the the wilder ones I've ever seen. But you know know what's ironic is when you look back on it now that it's all over, he actually was a reasonably effective Major League Baseball player. That's the crazy part about it. Wasn't wasn't Rayburn the guy that platoon they platooned with Brennan Bosch all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God! I mean, yeah. Rayburn just brutalized left-handed pitching. I mean, absolutely, just brutalized left-handed pitching. Good left-handed pitching. They should have paired him up with uh, Matt Joyce somewhere along the way, and we would have had one hell of a player. Yeah. We had a really good player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh but, man, Matt Joyce used to just absolutely kill right-handed pitching. Yeah, but she was fun. You know, I, I saw I him take AJ Burnett off the catwalk in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but I, I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact, you know, a guy that can give you 300 really efficient, effective at bats in a major league season and play three or four positions. That's that's a damn valuable player cool. on, a, on a good team for sure. So. We keep thinking that everybody needs to be a star, but not necessarily. So Sure. So. And, you know, we've been talking about versatility. I mean, versatility has always been a thing, but it does seem like it's, you know, it's kind of been a buzzword a little bit more the past few years um, with the two-way players. And, you know, seeing seeing guys like Zobrist and some others kind of used a, in a really, you know, strong hybrid role. Marwin Gonzalez, another one. Um, but 
you know, I, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, but they're going to expand rosters, so is that as valuable? But the more I think about it, the more maybe it's even more valuable that way. You know, you can put together, you know, a pretty interesting roster that way with that extra slot if you've got some versatile guys and just, you know, and just match up all over the place. Hey, guys, before before we jump to, you know, in you know a more general quick overview of what, what maybe some teams did that was good, I, I was curious, I, I know Dingler kind of underwent a swing change this year. Talk a little bit, a little bit about his hit tool because, you know, Brandon and I are huge advocates of the idea for this decade. If, if your catcher can't hit, you, you, you didn't do it right. Talk to us about what we should look at from his offensive potential. And we know that there were some things that changed this spring that basically ran him up the board a little bit. Yeah. He, uh, they wanted him to get, ball in the air a little bit more this year and it looked like he was starting to do that um he's a guy who's come into some serious strength as he's continued to to you know get in the weight room for three years at osu and they wanted to take advantage of that so so they want him to get the ball in the air a little bit, a little bit more want him to loft the ball a little bit more want him to pull the ball a little bit more um and, and yeah I, I think it showed up i think he was going to hit several home runs this spring um and i think you're you're still going to have some some swing and miss as he continues to, to get refinement with that new swing. But at the same time, I think there's, there's a, a not, you know, insubstantial power upside there now too, to go along with the, the glove behind the plate. I think I, I noticed Brandon made mention of the fact subtly he, he did not strike out a lot. He actually walked more than he struck out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that was kind of, I mean, that's obviously a great quality and it it's, I don't think people were noticing that aspect uh, of his plate discipline. I mean, that's, that's obviously a hallmark of how I evaluate any, any type of hitters that I'm considering adding to the system. I, I'm a monstrous believer in needing to walk. So, I mean, that, that was part of what I was a little worried about when, Baltimore took, you know, Kerstad. I, I, I wonder if he's a little overly aggressive and doesn't walk enough. It's, you know, major league pitching. If you're overly, you better be a great hitter. If you're overly aggressive and don't walk too much, cause go, go take a look at the top 50 hitters in WRC plus in the major leagues every year. And if you don't have a walk rate over 6%, you're not in there. So, right. it's it's a pretty easy baseline i mean i think last year there were two two hitters in the top 60 uh in wrc plus that had a walk rate below six percent so yeah and like i I think it's important to 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 realize that with dangler we're talking about a glove first catcher people think he can he's, he's obviously athletic people think he can be a six glove with a seven arm right but I think what gets lost in that just because it's glove over power doesn't mean the bat is bad. And even though there's, there might not be a lot of impact raw power or anything like that, like if you can hit it empty, like, I don't know, 250, 260 with a couple doubles here and catch every day and catch and throw, then like, yeah, that's a great big leaguer. Yeah. And he can actually run. I don't know right. how long it'll last, but he can run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I I'm, uh, I'm still borderline in shock of what a good job they did. It's, it's, it's just so 
what other teams do you guys think did a good job and you know did a did a subtle a subtly good job of of uh, taking what came to them or made or made some clever picks? I really like what Cleveland did. I mean, you know, within the AL Central, I, I think that they got two guys who we had top thirty in Tucker and Burns, and they saved money on both of them. Um, Logan Allen was a guy that was probably pretty easy to peg to them all the way through, just given their proclivities. Uh, but that's a big leaguer. Um, they go Petey Halpin and Tolentino back to back high school kids, back to back California left-handed hitting, high contact and athleticism high school guys. Yeah, two uh, and good, then, those are good high yeah. school kids. Yeah, those you know those are the guys that they like. The you know maybe it's not flashy tools, but they're they're high contact rates. They walk. Uh, their success on the summer circuit is is notable, um, and, and it's athletic, and, and they got a chance to to play up the middle somewhere. Um, and then Hickman with their last pick—that's the analytics pick. You know, one of them. It's uh, he's got a lot of traits to like. You get him into a progressive player dev system like Cleveland, like he's been in at Vanderbilt, and yeah, I just I think they did a really good job. What about KC? Ben. Did you ask what about KC, like Kansas City? Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop with Kansas City. I, I mean, and not that's not necessarily in a bad way. Like, they took some good players, some players that we liked. But, um, you know, their, their first pick, they go Ace Lacey because he falls in there a lot. Totally fair. Absolutely get it. Uh, Nick Lofton at 32, and he's kind of a lower ceiling college guy. And I guess, like, the upside prep they chose was Ben Hernandez, who I, I don't want to – I like Ben Hernandez. He's a good player, but he's a change-up first right-hander uh, who was committed to the University of Illinois, Chicago. So, like, it, it kind of felt like I kept waiting for that big prep guy or that big high price guy to kind of go, and that's who the Royals saved their money on early. But never really happened. They got a lot of quality players. I mean, Christian Chamberlain's got a good breaking ball. Apparently, he's great basketball analytic data. Uh, Will Klein's a hard-throwing reliever. Gentry could be an underrated player. I think he's going to be like a, like Gentry and Lofton. I feel confident in that they're going to be big leaguers. They're going to contribute. Gentry even has a little more upside than Lofton. So it, it's a lot of Royals picks, it feels like, without necessarily the, the only college arms strategy they showed last year or two years ago. Yeah. I like Ben Hernandez, but yeah, we we liked him a little bit more like, yeah, maybe, maybe top of the third yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah, like so. I like Ben Hernandez, but there were – there were louder, louder prep arms there. And, and, and so let's move on and kill the rest of the division. What would you think about what the White Sox did? I mean, you got Crochet and, and yeah, they're, they almost took the Jared Kelly, the the Mets approach from last year. Yeah. That whole draft is one and two. It's, it's Crochet and 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 Kelly and that's it. And that's fine because those are two really good arms. Um, But then, you know, you, you take an off the board, and I mean this as someone who spends a fair bit of time on Juco, an off-the-board Juco guy in the third round, um, a senior with a 45 fastball who is having Tommy John surgery uh, in in the fourth round. And, you know, I like Bailey Horn. I think Bailey Horn's got a chance to take major leagues, but, you know, that's that's not exactly, you know, enthralling in the fifth round. Um, Yeah, so it's Crochet and Kelly, man. That's what it is. So so basically, you know... Pick three and four was essentially done to give Kelly the money. Is that, is that yeah. what you're telling me? Yep. Okay. So, 
shockingly, it's, it, it, it seems like the Detroit Baseball Tigers it, within their division had a pretty, pretty good draft. Yeah, I agree. Yep, I think so too. Yeah, you know, Brian, you mentioned us. Yeah, sorry. Oh no, that's all right. Yeah, Brian, you you know you mentioned Sam Weatherly uh, last time on the pod too, and uh, yeah, I noticed he went right about where you said. <laughs> yeah, like, oh yeah, it sounds like Colorado actually did pretty well this oh, year as compared God. to some other things. How about that was that was the team I just uh, clicked onto my screen. I I wanted to ask the guys about talk, talk about players falling in your lap. Talk talk a little bit about the Rockies draft. Yeah, I mean, you get Veen at nine when, you know, everyone and their mother expected him to go before that. Um, I, I don't know, you know, Romo is, if he hits, okay, you know, but there's a lot of there's a lot of risk there. Right. But then you, you kind of make up for it with McMahon and Weatherly, both guys who I think, you know, you could say were, were higher end than where they were picked. And I love Jack Lombard. I talked about him on the last pod, too. Um, yeah, I think they did really well. Yeah, getting getting Veen at nine. I've talked to a number of different people who were in on him or in on somebody. Like, there's so many routes this draft could have gotten, and there was only may, maybe maybe four or five that it's where Zach Veen gets to nine. So that's uh, that was their dream pick from the beginning, and the fact they got to get him like that's they they couldn't have drew it up any any other way. Yeah, might have got the second best bat in the draft right there. Yeah, nine. So. And I do like him as well. Um, Brian, you know, you mentioned, uh, I believe you mentioned Werner Blakely last time you were here yeah. uh, from Detroit Edison yeah. High School. Um, got himself selected uh, the in the f- fourth round of the Angels, I think it was. Yep. Yeah. Uh, can you, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about him? Were you surprised to see him go there or? Yeah. I mean, no, I guess. It, it, based on what we'd heard in recent uh, recent weeks, um, I, I no, I guess I'm not surprised. If you would have told me <laughs> six months ago, I would have been. Um, but yeah, a guy who, who's made some improvements with his swing. He looks really good physically. He's got tools. He's got athleticism. It's uh, it's a really good upside play. Nice. Yep. Got to love the local kids going. That's good. Yep. Yep. So before we let you get out of here, uh, there's going to be a free-for-all starting – Probably fifteen minutes ago, <laughs> yeah. uh, for all these kids that are going to sign for twenty thousand dollars, and Brandon and I have been making jokes all week that uh, yeah, twenty thousand dollars plus. Uh, please open your trunk. We left you a package. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, give us some names we should be watching for, and you know, share with me some of what you've heard about how teams are approaching the recruiting process in this, because it's going to be pretty damn interesting. Uh, I think a name to watch is Mason Erla uh, and local guy too is Michigan state redshirt junior who I expected to go. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like I don't have any inside info that he's going to sign as an undrafted free agent or not. uh, You're going to see a lot of those 22 year old redshirt juniors, 23 year old seniors, 22 year old seniors. A lot of, a lot of those guys are going to go probably try and sign. I would imagine. Um, And obviously it's, it's, it's way too far out to even begin trying to link teams. I don't think you're going to see as many kids sign as you would think based on what we've, yeah. we've been told, at least. It, it's not going to be like 
the top prep who didn't get his number met signed for 20k but really uh uh you know date more whoever sent his grandmother three million dollars like you're not (laughs) you're not not gonna see anything like that i don't think yeah you gotta be sneakier than that i I keep suggesting you know the yes radio network should just be giving away trucks and you know various you know Various uh, college seniors' families keep winning them <laughs> spontaneously. Listen, if I was the league office, I would send everybody an email with a giant picture of John Capolella right now. <laughs> and, and, and basically go, remember how smart John was? I guess he wasn't that smart, okay? So if you're thinking of doing anything nefarious, remember, we, we will probably figure it out. So, yeah. Sher- so Sheriff Rob is going to come to town eventually. And, and let me tell you, cop was cop was a pretty smart talent evaluator too. So it's too bad he's not in the game. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the smart teams do it. And I did laugh a few times when I heard everybody pretty much have the same recruiting strategy. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, if I was that kid, I'd be going. I'm probably going to. See if the Dodgers want me first, because I think there's a little bit of a pedigree there about uh, tweaking players and making them better. Right. So, uh, you know, as far as the Tigers, though, though they have the most uh, they have the most Rapsodos certified uh, people in their organization. And I that's that's nice to know that everybody understands how to operate a Rapsodos. It's it's good. Well, hopefully all these dudes dragging edutronic cameras all over the place are real friendly. You know, you got got to keep up rapport here. I want a, I want a good reputation out there. Um, you know, one more guy I want to ask you about, Brian. Are you, how did how did you feel about uh, Jeff Criswell going to the, the A's at fifty eight? Um, I got to talk about the Michigan guys briefly, or at least give you the chance to wax poetic oh, on the Michigan oh. guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I like. I think he's got real power stuff. I, I think there are some reasonable questions about if he's going to have enough command to start. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's got three pitches that can miss bats. I, I think that you know the the fastball's got a chance to be a seven uh, in a short stint. The slider could be close to that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's one. It's just a classic. Can he start or can he relieve? And either way, I, you know, I think it's a big leaguer. The stuff's too good for it not to be. I I, I think you know. I think he's going to throw 97, 98 as a reliever by the time they get done with him, and he's got a reliever mentality. He'd probably be a yep. damn good reliever. Yeah, so. very much so. Had a lot of success working out of the bullpen in Michigan's run last year. All right. Um, got anything else, Mark? No. Let these two I, gentlemen go on I, about I, their business. I, I, <laughs> I think they only have about six or seven other shows. We'll be doing shows till four, <laughs> four o'clock in the morning, one o'clock on the West Coast. I got to drive uh, to Iowa tomorrow. Uh, oh Lord. Mm. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It just never ends, does it? No sir. Yep. Nope. Yeah, that's no. all right. But we love it. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, Brian, Vinny, both you guys. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Really? Um, I, I'm just, yeah, just busting right in here straight out of the draft room. Um, probably people have heard some frantic typing and texting in the background. <laughs> We're still working the angles. Apologies. Here, Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, thank you both. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, us. thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. No, appreciate y'all. All right. Oh, thanks. Thank you, guys. Take care. Good night, guys. All right. Thank you. See you all. Night. Night.